This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Good morning, I'm Larissa Moore. And I'm Eliza Harvey. It's Wednesday the 8th of December in your Squiz today. What it's like for women. Victoria's ombudsman on border rules. Putin and Biden speak. And thinking twice about smiling. This is your Squiz today. Recent reports from the Australian Bureau of Statistics and the Melbourne Institute are painting a pretty gloomy picture of what it's like to be a woman in modern Australia. In brief, high rates of sexual harassment and a whole lot of housework. We'll go into each of them, Eliza, starting with the new analysis from the Bureau of Stats on their 2016 personal safety survey. The data there shows that half of Australian women say that they've been sexually harassed. Yeah, the report says that a third of women received inappropriate comments about their body and sex life. Another 30% had received unwanted touching. And it also found that younger people and those on lower incomes who struggled to pay the bills were more likely to experience sexual harassment. It's not just women, of course. A quarter of Australian men have experienced sexual harassment in their lifetimes. And in fact, the report shows there's more of this behaviour in the workplace in general. That could just be about a change of culture in the modern workplace where people feel they can come forward and report and that they will be listened to rather than just having to cop it. Yeah, that's one explanation that's been put forward about that jump in incidents that happen at work for both men and women since the 2012 report. Either way, it's seeing renewed calls for sex discrimination, Commissioner Kate Jenkins' respect at work, recommendations to be implemented in full. Moving on to the other report, the Melbourne Institute has released the latest HILDA survey. That's on household income and labour dynamics in Australia, HILDA. The data, and this was collected pre-pandemic, showed that women are still doing far more unpaid work than men. Yeah, women are logging twice as many unpaid hours as men, in some cases 60 hours a week on things like housework and childcare. That gap was particularly large for heterosexual couples with dependent kids at home, a trend that the report said started after the birth of the first baby. And the report says women felt more time stressed than men, with more than a third reporting they were almost always under the pump, which is about 10% higher than men were reporting. As you mentioned, This was a study of about 20,000 people taken pre-pandemic and the research is already showing that women picked up a lot more of the domestic slack over the last two years. Yeah, the next Hilda study will take into account the impact of the pandemic. That will be out in next year's report. Lots of interesting stats in both of these reports. If you want to dig a little deeper, jump into the Squiz Today newsletter or I'll pop links in your episode notes. Down to Victoria now. The Victorian Ombudsman has been taking a look at the Victorian government's handling of border rules during the COVID-19 lockdowns that took place during winter once the Delta outbreak set in. It's the Ombudsman's role to deal with complaints about the government and when it came to these border rules, Eliza, there were a lot of complaints. A huge amount of complaints and the Ombudsman and her team interviewed many Victorians who made complaints they were locked out after the borders were closed on July the 11th. 
11th, and many of them applied and failed to get a permit to return home for things like funerals or perhaps to start new jobs. And that investigation found that just 8% of permits were granted, and it found that the system was focused on locking people out rather than getting them home safely and rendering some effectively homeless. Now, Deborah Glass, the ombudsman, was at pains to say she wasn't casting judgment on that call to close the border, but in quite strong language for an ombudsman, Glass said that thousands of people were subjected to treatment that was, quotes, downright unjust and even inhumane. Yeah, she's recommending that the government publicly acknowledge the distress that these border closures caused to affected people. For a lot of people, they were fully vaccinated, they'd returned negative tests, and they still couldn't get an exemption to go home. As you say, only 8% were approved. On to international news now, and we flagged it as one to watch earlier in the week, the meeting of US President Joe Biden and Russian President Vladimir Putin. It's pretty rare that these two powers talk in person. They spoke for two hours via video link about the situation on the Ukraine border. Yeah, well, there was a fair bit to talk about, including Russia's massing of 94,000 troops and military equipment on the Ukrainian border. And that's prompted speculation that Russia will invade. Now, if and when that happens are the big questions. Reports this morning say that a senior Biden official was briefing reporters that President Biden would tell Putin that if he invaded Ukraine, the US was prepared to take steps to inflict significant and severe economic harm on the Russian economy. And And this meeting and the broader management of Russia and the crisis in general is being seen as one of the biggest tests of Biden's leadership to date. Yeah, it's being described as critical. Biden is now expected to talk again with the UK, France, Germany and Italy after his call with Putin. It's a situation that European leaders are keeping a very close eye on as well. More to come on this one. Still overseas and in what's set to be a landmark case, dozens of Rohingya refugees in the UK and the US are suing Facebook. They're accusing the social media platform of allowing hate speech against them to spread. And they're wanting US $150 billion in compensation, Eliza. Yeah, so just stepping back a bit, it's believed that about 10,000 Rohingya Muslims were killed in Myanmar during what was called the clearance operations by the military in 2017, which doesn't really sum up the severity of those attacks. They also forced 700,000 people across the border to Bangladesh, where they still live now in refugee camps. And the argument is that Facebook amplified the hate speech through its algorithms and failure to take action once this material was arrested. And that ultimately created a ripe environment for these crimes to occur. So back to the legal case, under American law, Meta, that bigger company, is mostly protected from being liable for content posts by its users. But that's not the case in Myanmar, where Facebook is a hugely popular communications platform. So that's where the company is being targeted for compensation. Facebook did admit back in 2018 that it hadn't done enough to prevent the incitement of violence and hate speech against the Rohingya. But whether that means any legal liability is yet to be seen, as we said, it could be a landmark case. If you're wanting some background on the Rohingya, we've got a shortcut that'll get you up to speed on their situation, give you a bit of the context to when it comes up in the news like this. I'll pop a link to it in your episode notes. 
The National Film and Sound Archive has announced its Sounds of Australia inductees for 2021. If you're not across the Film and Sound Archive, each year they pick a number of recordings that are significant, that reflect Australian life in some way and add them to the archives. One especially big one made it in this year, Eliza. That's right. That was Kevin Rudd's sorry speech in 2008, his apology to Indigenous Australians. It's a really interesting broader list there, The Sounds of Australia. We've got Gautier's Somebody I Used to Know, Mm -hmm. which I'm not going to sing for you this morning because (laughs) nobody wants that, but it was on high rotation for the last 10 years. Uh, We've also got The Man from Snowy River theme and the Triffords WA rock band, which is a blast from the past. Yeah, all the way back to the 80s. The recorded sounds have to be Australian. They have to be more than 10 years old and have to have a real historic or cultural significance to them. These editions now make about 160 sounds in the archive. I'll pop a link in your episode notes if you want to have a bit of an explore. Here's one to think about as we head into the silly season, Eliza. A new study out of Canada says that smiling actually makes you look older to others. It's a thought that can actually really really take the smile off your face. I'm just not sure about this. But anyway, look, I'll talk you through it. But don't blame the messenger is all I can say. The study (laughs) says that... Smiling ages you, and neuroscientists showed participants in the study hundreds of photos of people aged between about 20 and 80, and that the 20 and 30 and 40 somethings looked older when they smiled. I just am not sure about this, but look, nonetheless, we will take it on board. Look, it might make you look older, but it makes you look nicer. The alternative (laughs) is angry resting face. So, look, put a smile on your dial or smize, maybe, if you're worried about getting older. Squiz the day, Eliza. What are you keeping an eye on today? The ashes start today. Mm. It's summer, finally, when the ashes and the cricket comes back. There's a new captain in Pat Cummins. The English fast bowler Jimmy Anderson is out for any of those who really follow it closely. I do. The big thing is about whether the rain is going to stay away from the Gabba in Brisbane. Yeah, start of summer doesn't really align with how much rain a lot of the East Coast is having. But anyway, the cricket, it's starting. The crew from the Sport Today podcast are going to guest host a Shortcuts episode on the Ashes this week. So it'll give you the background to it, the history, what to watch out for. That'll be out on Thursday, so keep an eye out for that one. That's about all from us today. Have a good Wednesday and we will be back with you tomorrow. This week, our podcast is brought to you by Aware Super. Sometimes it can feel like retirement is a long way off, but whether it's two years or 20 years away, it's important to make sure your super fund is working for you. Aware Super is one of Australia's largest super funds and offers heaps of free tools and tips on its website for Aussies looking to get their super sorted and put a plan in place for their retirement. Read the PDS and TMD at aware.com.au.